You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. Technological change, new ideas about teaching and learning, and evolving workforce needs are driving transformative change in the education sector from grade school to grad school. On Thursday, January 17th, the Washington Post hosted a gathering of leading educators and innovators. In this segment, experts discuss how colleges are adapting to invest in skills-based training for a generation looking to avoid massive debt and develop the tools that translate directly into jobs. Speakers talk about how a growing number of alternatives to traditional colleges are filling in educational gaps through programs geared toward trade-based learning, high skills workforce training, and job placement. Let's listen. Well, hello. Uh, I'm Josh White. I'm the America Desk Editor here at the Washington Post, and I'm a former education editor here as well. Uh, I'm delighted to have on stage with me uh, today Ryan Craig, uh, co-founder of University Ventures, an investment firm uh, that focuses on global higher education and creating new pathways from education to employment. Uh, also, Dr. Bob McMahon, uh, president of Kettering University in Flint, Michigan, uh, an experiential learning-based school uh, with a focus on STEM and business fields. Uh, and Dr. Sanjay Rai, Senior Vice President for Academic Affairs at Montgomery College, a top community college uh, right here in Maryland that serves about 60,000 students each year. Um, <clears throat> well, it's a new record. Uh, just about one-third of adults in the United States have a traditional four-year college degree, which means there are a lot of people who don't. And many of those graduates are not prepared to go directly into a specific job uh, many of them are underemployed, and many of them are saddled with a lot of debt. Uh, our, di our discussion today is going to focus on how we're preparing the next generation of students uh, for the jobs of tomorrow. Uh, before we begin, I want to remind uh, the audience you can tweet your questions using the hashtag PostLive. Uh, I want to start with Mr. Craig. Uh, there's a problem. Uh, there's also a lot of possibilities. Uh, what do you see as the biggest problem here, and what, what are the the chances of success? Well, uh, what, what gets most of the attention uh, around higher education is uh, the crisis of affordability. Uh, you can't miss it every week on the front page somewhere. The student loan debt, now $1.5 trillion, about $40,000 per college graduate. Uh, so it's a lot. But the fact of the matter is that if every graduate uh, were entering into a $60,000 a year starting salary job, we wouldn't have a problem. Uh, so it's the combination of affordability and employability. And over the last uh, decade, uh, we've seen a real crisis uh, in employability. Uh, underemployment uh, amongst college graduates is now north of 40 percent. Uh, and a big reason for that is uh, the digitization uh, of the economy, uh, and uh, both, both in substance as well as uh, in terms of form, uh, because it's changed hiring. Uh, and college graduates uh, just simply aren't uh, being prepared uh, for the entry-level jobs uh, that employers uh, are looking to fill. So it's a, it's, it's a, major, it's a major problem. Uh, but there, there are pathways to success. Uh, uh, Dr. McMahon, you've looked at, you, you are, your university has for a very long time focused on this issue of employability. Yeah, um, can you talk a, a bit about what your university does, how it does it, and why it has been successful? Be delighted. It's, it, it's actually a very interesting story in American higher education. We're celebrating our centennial this year. <clears throat> so we were founded 100 years ago, 
And the centennial motto that we have, I think, is really very appropriate. It's the future of education built a century ago. Because in a lot of ways, we actually represent in practice what a lot of institutions and a lot of higher ed, in, uh, a lot of conversation in higher ed is about, is uh, outlines as aspirational goals for how you integrate theory and practice in education. At our institution, students, um, we, first off, we have no summer holidays. We go tw 12 months a year. Uh, the curriculum is four and a half years long. Uh, the students, when they join, they're split into two cohorts that go into a 12-week on, 12-week off rotation from their freshman year. And they spend 12 weeks in an intense academic curriculum, and then 12 weeks in a professional placement in industry or in government or in laboratories that, that, uh, that, that complements their professional and their professional goals and why they are uh, the degree that they're seeking. So these are not these professional placements are cooperative placements, but they're not observational. They become employees of the organization. They have the same expectations and demands placed upon them as any other employee. They uh, they have the benefits that a typical employee does, et cetera. So over the course of their four and a half years, they advance in their corporate roles as they advance in their academic abilities. And this creates a virtuous circle that is really unprecedented in American higher education because it creates the whole individual. I like to say our employability of our students, the placement rate of our students vacillates wildly between 99 and 100% every year. And I'd underscore the point you just made. We have one of the lowest debt default rates of any institution in the United States because when our students leave, they are, it's that combination of cost and the ability to address the, the debt that, that, is the, that is at the centerpiece of a lot of the yeah. affordability I'll just, issues. I'll just add that I think it, that, that is fairly unique. Uh, the vast majority of colleges and universities, their interface uh, to the job market, to the world of uh, employers, the big bad world of employers, uh, is career services. Uh, and that's one office out of dozens uh, that is often located on the periphery of campus, mm -hmm. typically not open on the evenings or weekends when students have the most time. Only about 50% of students in bachelor's degree programs even partake uh, of uh, career services. And when they do walk in, they're likely to meet someone uh, who's worked their whole career in career services as opposed to in the industry they're trying to get into. So that would be great if we were all trying to get jobs in career services, but it doesn't work uh, like that. So colleges and universities don't see uh, as their responsibility uh, to get their students jobs. They continue to spout the old, in, in my view, tired line that we prepare you for your fifth job, not your first job. Uh, students today know that if they don't get a good first job, they're probably not going to get a good fifth job uh, in today's economy. And, and Dr. Raya, at Montgomery College, that is one of the things that, that you're trying to address, the, the skills gap and that first job. Can you talk a little bit about what a community college can do to serve a very large community that is seeking work success uh, in life? And, and what programs are, are most successful and how do you do it? So uh, thank you for, for the opportunity. But uh, before I answer your question, uh, when I go to, to these types of discussion, uh, often, uh, you know, we are quick to conclude that there are lots of problems with our higher education uh, system. I want to say this uh, very clearly, that uh, U.S. higher education system uh, is still one of the best uh, in the world. 
And um, a lot of countries are able to, to replicate a lot of things that we do very successfully. But in one area, they have not succeeded. That is our higher education system. So we still start from a very good place. We still have a very strong system. But we do have a couple of uh, challenges. And we have to understand the root cause of these challenges. And I think uh, globalization, technology, and changing demography of our nation is something that is asking us to do things differently. And I speak from Montgomery College, uh, uh, a community college right uh, uh, outside Washington, DC, from their perspective. So the idea, these three things that I mentioned, um, that kind of fields into three different areas. Uh, uh, accessibility, higher education has to be more accessible, more affordable, cost of higher education is, is certainly an issue, and the employability uh, is, is there too. So um, a one-year um, uh, degree at Montgomery College will cost about $6,000. So affordability is important. We are in Montgomery County. We have three campuses, several workforce development sites. We are accessible. Then um, we are accessible through, through technology. We have strong online program. Then we are academically accessible too. If someone is not college ready, you need some, some, some uh, uh, you know, uh, you have some gaps in some math, English, those types of things. We do that very well. And other 1,300 or so community colleges across the nation do that very well. So challenges that higher education system faces today, our community colleges are doing that quite well. Now coming back to, to this skill gap issue, um, what we do at Montgomery College, our economy is high-tech eco economy, biotechnology economy, so we work very closely with, with the uh, uh, industries. And we create programs on the credit side and also on the non-credit side. So uh, if you are an underemployed or unemployed IT worker, you can come to Montgomery College and you can um, enter into our cybersecurity program that's offered you know, Tuesday, Thursday evening at a very, very affordable class, five, $600 or so. And, uh, there are thousands of cybersecurity jobs that are open in, in this DC, uh, Virginia, Maryland area. So we provide our companies talented workforce. At the same time, people who are underemployed, unemployed, they get opportunities to do that. Biotechnology is the same area. Um, in our credit program, about half of our students have undergraduate and master's degrees, often in life sciences but they don't have the skills to be employed in the biotechnology industries that we have in the life sciences corridor uh, in this area. So, uh, so we create programs again in the same way, working very closely with the industries in those areas. So there are several, then data analysis. Big data is another huge opportunities, especially in the intersection of IT and data science. A lot of new tools are being developed. So that's where lots of opportunities are there. There's no other country that's ahead of us in these types of things. I think that uh, uh, we have a premier higher education system, and uh, the community college system is, is uniquely American, and we need to, 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 to start look at our strength and develop those systems uh, further. Now, Dr. McMahon, one of the things that your uh, university is working on is, is experiential learning. Uh, you have an autonomous vehicle program, uh, 
crash test facility labs, that sort of. Can you talk a little bit about those programs? Why, why specifically focus on an individual technology or something like the autonomous vehicles? Uh, what, what do the students get out of that? They get they get the world out of it. And the reason that I say that is is that the the university was actually founded on uh, on a different idea, and that is is that in order to educate the whole person that that you have to create an equivalence. Uh, if you look at how we typically treat uh, experiential learning in the United States, it is always it is always uh, it is always integrated into our educational system in a way that is subordinate to the classroom experience that says we have this university or uh, this program and we're going to add an experiential component to it. We're actually not going to change the way that we deliver what we deliver in the classroom. Okay. We're just going to tack this thing on and call it a whole. The, the Kettering model is, is the opposite. It says that, that, that these two things are equal in importance. One does not, is not subordinate to the other. Each informs the other. And so the students spend as much time in the application of the discipline as in the acquisition of the knowledge and support of the discipline. And that creates a virtuous circle um, that is bi-directional. The students experience in, the, in, uh, in, their, in their cooperative placements or in these other experiential activities informs the classroom. How many, how many universities are out there where, uh, where, a, where a faculty member is teaching um, abstract concept, a, a Navier-Stokes equation, and, and, is, and is talking about the theory, then turns around and faces the students and says, uh, Sue, now you're working in a wind tunnel lab in a national lab, you're working in a wind tunnel facility. Do you use this in this way or do you have some ad a, a way in which you've adapted this formalism to that particular application. And Sue stands as, well, no, we don't really use that. Let me, would you come up here and show us how that works? And then the, I mean, that closure of application and knowledge is, is crypt, you know, it's, it, it's just, it, it's explosive. In, uh, in and, that, and that's so hard to do. I mean, so much harder than, you know, giving the same lecture you've given for the last 20 years <laughs> in the class, which is why, you know, these, these, these institutions on the stage here are so, so exceptional. The reality is that, uh, you know, this is a many-to-many -many problem, right? Mm -hmm. You've got millions of employers, you've got thousands of post-secondary institutions. How do you match students and graduates with, with jobs, right? No single institution, with maybe a couple of exceptions here, uh, is capable. Of, uh, of, of, of managing the relationships with, em with employers, the number of relationships at the, at the level of depth they need to be managed. Uh, and no employer is really interested uh, in, uh, in doing that. And over the last decade, we've seen the emergence of what we call hiring friction, uh, which is the uh, increased propensity of employers to say, I'm not hiring anyone for this position unless they've demonstrated they, they can do it, they, they've already done it uh, effectively. Even for entry level jobs, we see all kinds of experience requirements now on jobs that should be entry level. For example, entry level sales mm -hmm. positions, which say we want three years of experience with salesforce.com. Well, that's, that's crazy. Look how, at your, how do you get experience exactly. without experience? How do you get experience yeah. with experience? So, 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 so we're seeing the emergence of these intermediaries that sort of stand between traditional post-secondary education and employers. We call them last mile training uh, intermediaries, bridging that last mile uh, to the employer, typically 
uh, by training on the digital skills uh, the traditional post-secondary institutions just really aren't very good uh, at, uh, at, at, at training on because they simply don't have the relationships with employers to understand what technologies employers are actually looking for uh, in these jobs. Now, so if employers are looking for marketable skills and, and they're looking for experience, uh, what does that mean for the philosophy major? What, what does that mean for someone who's studying classical literature or English? Yeah, well, I, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I just published, uh, wrote a book uh, that came out last year called uh, Faster and Cheaper Alternatives to College, where I make the argument that these, there, there are these new faster and cheaper alternatives, uh, boot, boot camps uh, and apprenticeship models and staffing models that incorporate last mile training that are going to be providing uh, new faster and cheaper pathways to the good first jobs that college graduates are having a hard time getting. Uh, probably not at your institutions, but at lots of institutions. Uh, and well, it, for, even for us, our, our Department of Liberal Arts is our largest academic department. So even in a STEM-focused yeah. curriculum, we, we, I mean, one of our big new announcements recently, we, we opened a comprehensive set of music studios for our students to go in and they can go in and record. We have bands forming because there's so much, there's so much energy around the intersection of the arts and engineering in the sciences. If you can get your students jobs, you can do all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. You have room to, to, to do all that. The, 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 the challenges that we're seeing, uh, too few uh, institutions doing a good job uh, of that. Uh, and we, we believe that in the next five to 10 years, millions of students will vote with their feet in favor of faster and cheaper uh, alternatives. And we are not saying uh, that we should have or would benefit from less post-secondary education and aggregate or per capita. That would be economic suicide. But what we are saying is that we should think about a restaging of how we consume that post-secondary education, as we've done everything else in our society. You shouldn't have to do it all you can eat in one sitting. You should be able to get what you need when you need it. And if that means taking a faster and cheaper pathway uh, to a good first job, and then being in that job for a couple of years with no debt, and then looking around and ascertaining what secondary or tertiary pathway you might want in order to move on, move up, develop those cognitive executive function skills you need to be successful in your career, uh, then you should do that, and there, those pathways will be available. Ultimately, we do need to develop all of those cognitive and, and, and humanities uh, skills. And the community colleges are very, very, they're a critical part of that spectrum. We really need to look at this as a spectrum and a, and a kind of lifelong engagement in this. Now, you've talked about the concept of placement colleges. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. You know, I think that uh, a lot of, and I, I say this uh, lovingly because I, uh, my, my mother uh, actually taught in a community college for 30 years, and so I know, I know community college as well. And I know that many of them uh, are run as academic institutions uh, where the, uh, the, the priority remains uh, degree programs and associate uh, degree programs over uh, sort of employer and, and industry-focused uh, certificate uh, programs. Associate degree programs, for the most part, are stepping stones, uh, transfer colleges to uh, to, uh, to to to, to four-year uh, institutions, and some community colleges do that better than than others. Uh, what 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 we what we would like to see is a uh, is a um, distinct community college uh, system that's that's really focused on employment uh, and employability rather than an academic uh, model, and that would involve some sort of hybrid of what community colleges do today with their certificate uh, programs and, and industry focuses, as, as Montgomery uh, is doing, and what workforce boards uh, are doing. Dr. Rai, what do you think of that? I, I think uh, uh, that's uh, important, but we don't want to do either or. <laughs> hmm. uh, uh, you know, students have to learn how to think critically, and, and uh, uh, since you brought up uh, philosophy, um, I'm a student of mathematics and physics. If you look at fundamental questions in, in phys philosophy or physics or math, they are not that uh, far away. Um, 
you know, at Montgomery College and at other community colleges as well. Now there are a lot of students who go from credit program to non-credit program. You're doing a degree in cybersecurity mm -hmm. on the credit side. There are lots of opportunity to take non-credit courses and certifications in networking and other areas. That's happening. If students from non-credit side are going to the credit side. At Montgomery College, a large number of students do that. Why that's important? Because we heard the expression last mile. Uh, in, in knowledge economy, that last mile becomes longer. It's not only a mile. Uh, and, and, if, mm. and the model where students go from credit and non-credit, it shortens that, that last mile thing. So uh, work, and that can happen only if you understand your economy, you work with your community. So at Montgomery College, uh, uh, for example, health sciences uh, program, uh, a lot of need as you know, we are all aging uh, populations and we uh, are going to use a lot of healthcare workers uh, because of aging. And a lot of our healthcare workers are from baby boomer gener generation, so we have to replace them also. So at Montgomery College, we became the first uh, community college in the country to have a hospital right on our campus. Right. Mm -hmm. That creates a wonderful collaboration mm -hmm. between our health sciences program and, uh, and, and the hospital. So I think those are the models that, that, that Montgomery College and a lot of other community colleges uh, are doing, and doing it very, very successfully. Right. So most of the questions that, that we, we read in, in the literature about issues with higher education, is skill gap, in U.S. higher education system, community colleges are, are, are already doing those things quite well. The question is, how do we scale that, that up? And how do we make the entire spectrum of our higher education equally proactive, equally responsive? Now, if I'm a prospective student uh, and I'm looking for all of these things, I'm looking for marketability, I'm looking for a job, I'm looking for success and a future. Enroll at Montgomery College. <laughs> <laughs> or Kettering. And after or you're done, come see us. Yeah. Right. How do you decide what's going to be best for you, uh, given these warnings, these concerns, the, some places that are specializing? Uh, how, do, how do you evaluate the vast array of opportunities that are out there, given what we know? Well, the data is not great. <laughs> Let's start with that. Uh, that you, you know, you, you don't have too many uh, institutions outside of the coding boot camps uh, who are advertising, you know, 98% placement rate into $70,000 a year starting salary jobs. Uh, but ultimately, I think that is where we're heading. Uh, this combination of the crisis of affordability and employability has caused what we call an employment imperative, where 90 plus percent of students consistently now today said that they are enrolling in a post-secondary institution uh, for the purpose of getting a job and a good first job uh, in particular. Uh, so that data needs to be there. Institutions need to take responsibility uh, for uh, helping their students, uh, not, not only preparing them, uh, but actually helping them into the workforce and getting them good first jobs. Dr. McMahon, uh, aside from enrolling at Kettering. Aside from enrolling at Kettering. I think, I think the whole, you know, how I would kind of conclude is this whole, we have to really take a very strong look at this whole notion of, of skills, skills development as, 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 a, as a thing distinct from education, in a sense. Because when you, when you talk to, you know, when you talk to them, not just employers, but in graduate schools and professional schools, and you ask them what they're actually looking for in graduates, they're actually, they, they, they can actually articulate this very clearly. They're looking for a set of attributes um, 
one of, not so much, they're not as particular about domain knowledge because they recognize that three quarters of the stuff, the material, the, the facts, if you will, that a student learns while they're in school will be obsolete within a year of their graduation. And so they are more, they're more likely to say, well, we can teach them what they know when, when they come to us. What we need is we need a student who, who believes, who knows that no matter what they are faced with, they can figure it out. And they've been given the, the, the tools and the skills to do it. Students that are resilient, students that know how to operate in organizations, who do not believe, who to understand that it's not just about the acquisition of knowledge, but it's also about the application of knowledge and how you work within groups in order to advance ideas and advance the human condition. Those are the skills that traditional higher education tends to say, well, those, those are these other things. We're going to focus on the, the knowledge acquisition and we'll let that happen at some other indeterminate point. I think that is an artificial distinction. And as the relationship of the consumer to higher education evolves, and it is evolving, the demand is going to be ever more directed at that integration of those skills into the education of the students. Right. Unfortunately, that's that's all the time we have. I want to thank Dr. Rye, uh, Dr. McMahon, and Mr. Craig for joining us uh, for this very great panel. But I'd like to next hand off to my colleague Nick Anderson, who will be hosting the final panel. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.